Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Mateus Show. Today is a big episode, episode 10, double digits in the episode section. And we have a special guest today, Mr. Adriano. How are you, buddy? What's going on, man? Great to be here. Uh, obviously, it's kind of early for the guys to yeah, be waking up. At the time of like the recording, it's currently 11.05 in the morning. Usually, I like to sleep into 12, but, you know, we have to get a podcast done. So, how are you, man? You all right? Uh, I'm a little bit tired, but, you know, nothing like a good old morning coffee can do for me. That's good to hear, man. It's good to hear. Everything's good. School's all right. Yeah, man. I'm trying to grind out here. You know what I mean? I feel you. Get the education. Get the education. Get that paper. Yes, C's get sir. degrees. How was your Christmas break? Nah, it was good, man. Family good. stuff? Yeah, just family time. Just taking some time to chill. All right, correct. You're from Vaughn or Richmond Hill? I always get the two mixed up. <laughs> Vaughn. You're a big Vaughn guy? Vaughn, specifically Woodbridge. Specifically Woodbridge. You ever play for the Woodbridge, the Woodbridge team? Nah, nah. No? Nah. Nothing? <laughs> it's not that good. Ah, come on, man. Who cares? I wasn't that good. Uh, more of a money scam than anything, but I mean... Fair enough, you know fair I mean? enough, fair enough. So, Mr. Adriano works for MLSC. He's currently one of the top employees. Game the operations for the Marlies, Argos, and I believe 905? Used to be 905. Used to be 905. Hopefully I can go back. Nah, it's all right, man. Yeah. How do you like that there? It's good stuff. No, nah, it's good stuff. Learning a lot. Met a lot of good connections in the organization. Hopefully that I can take advantage of in the future and... Capitalize my opportunities there. Perfect. So how did you like the buff the road trip to Buffalo this year to see Big Pinto <sighs> Ron? Best American experience I've probably gotten in oh, the last couple years. Five, ten years maybe. It was a good time. It was a good time. You know what? I enjoyed it a lot. Um, apart from the fact that kickoff was at one o'clock and we had to leave at like nine a.m. and stuff like yeah. that. That was a mission. It was a mission, but how was your border crossing? We flew through. We were there like within in and out like five ten minutes maybe. Yeah, Check we we passport. we had the same we had the same thing going. It was a good game though. Baltimore, it was a good game. Baltimore obviously came out with the W. Uh, Lamar, watching Lamar Jackson plays a different thing. Hey, Lamar Jackson's just on a whole different level. He's now. a cheat code, man. He's just a cheat code. Like, there's no one stopping him. You know what though? Buffalo didn't make it close for them. They didn't give him a fight. They did give him a fight. Uh, you know, Josh Allen, a couple of throws here and there could change the game. Yeah. Uh, Especially those two deep passes. That yeah, those, those, those were tough to watch because yeah. the receiver was open. Coverage was – it's just – I don't know. The he ball, beat the man one-on-one in coverage too, and he had him. Yeah. It just he overthrew the ball most of the time. And the ball sailed on him a bit. But you those know, one or two overthrows cost him the game essentially. Yeah, but Baltimore, Baltimore was playing out of their minds. Baltimore, yeah. They could move the ball left, right, and center. Well, they're the number one team in the yeah. NFL for rushing right now. Most of it has to contribute to Lamar, so. Yeah, and Mark Ingram, so yeah. there's like big stuff down happening in Baltimore. So as we on the subject of Buffalo, obviously NFL playoffs are in full swing. Yeah. Uh, wildcard weekend last weekend, Houston takes down Buffalo, twenty-two to nineteen. Yeah. Texans were up thirteen nothing at halftime. Or sorry, Texans were down 13 nothing at halftime, and Houston put up 19 in the second half. Some breakdown of the quarterback position. Josh Allen, 24 for 46 for 264, and he received a touchdown. He also had nine carries for 92 yards. Deshaun Watson, 20 for 25, 247 yards, one passing touchdown, and one rushing touchdown of 50 yards on the day. Uh, Houston beats Buffalo 22-19. Thoughts on the game? It's like the same thing when we went to go watch Buffalo versus the Ravens. The same thing what I saw against the Texans. It was Josh Allen had a couple of good throws, but I feel like there was those one or two plays where that cost him, cost him the game essentially in the sense that the Texans were down going into halftime. They were getting blanked out essentially. 
and the fact that they were able to score 22 unanswered points in the span of essentially half an hour was just woo, was just crazy. Rob's, ha- Rob's happy. Uh, and overall, I don't think, I mean, even though Buffalo was up going into half, I don't think that some of their big players, per se, really stepped up to the plate, and that's where... I thought Buffalo had a, a chokehold <laughs> on the game. Yeah, you know what? I the first Buffalo is a shithole in the city. The first, <laughs> the first <laughs> half, you know what? Buffalo had complete stranglehold of the game, and it looked like the Texans had no answer to what they were giving them. But then, I don't know what happened. It just, it was a big turnaround for them. That's all pretty much there is to it. I feel that. I mean, I think the, other than Josh Allen... Completing 24, what was it, 24 for 46? Yeah. I think Devin Singletary was like their only other good player, and he only had 76 yards in the entire game. Oh, the big thing is Houston's motivation to come back. Because easily yeah. Houston could have laid down, right? Oh, but Houston it, could easily But it down. showed the will and the fight that they had. Yeah. Uh, J.J. Watt returned for that game, only played a couple snaps. Uh, yeah. Obviously, medical team wants to make sure that he's – healthy and that they don't risk his career for one game but obviously with the fact that Houston beat them uh, JJ Watt gets to continue into the playoffs he's one of those guys that I feel he need, he's a great player yeah. the only thing that he's missing from his resume down the road I could see is a Super Bowl yeah I mean let's be honest he's done everything He's done everything. The man's a tank. He's a machine. And I've watched a lot of documentaries on him just because like, I was interested to see how he develops as a player. And this man, you can tell, puts in the work and it shows on and off the field. He's a big boy. And I think he's accomplished everything he wanted so far in his career apart from a Super Bowl title. And I think that with the team that Houston has right now, I think there's a really good chance that he can... Yeah, I, I don't think Houston wins it this year, but they go into the offseason, make a couple moves, acquire right. a couple players, pieces here and there, maybe look into revamping that playbook. And down the road, Houston has a shot in a couple of years. Yeah. Their quarterback plays great, Deshaun Watson. You know, yeah, great leader. You like Deshaun Watson, Robbo? Deshaun Watson is gross, bro. And yeah. honestly, you know what? It even showed that game. He had 247 yards. He went 20 for 25, I believe, that game. Yeah, Deshaun Watson, like he's he's proven to be he's a good player, a clutch quarterback in he's, my eyes. He's, he's Josh good. Allen as well, despite like playing like a top tier quarterback who had league experience in the first half, started to second guess himself and made yeah. like terrible decisions. Yeah, in the second I half I, I started to play like a rookie quarterback. I and it was the same thing for the Buffalo Ravens game when we went to go watch. He made a lot of dumb decisions in the first half, but the second half he turned it around but, and actually started making some I mean, good plays. Laterals it like with yeah. a minute left. I, I feel that that was one of those plays where I think like the psyche just kicked in, and it just throw down the field like when it was two on one with like very little time left. Yeah, I feel that. Like, yeah. I don't know. He's a young quarterback. He's gonna learn. He's gonna grow. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it. Well, that's one of the he best. Showed to me that he was capable of making those yeah. decisions and making those plays. The question is, can he make them in the future under pressure? So, there you go. Uh, Some insight from Rob. Uh, and I think that's with not just quarterbacks, but like from every other player as well. It's yeah. like how you deal with those pressures. Well, they're still a young team, right? So they are a very young team. I think that once they start making a couple of quarries here and there and they start to develop as a team and get that chemistry going, I think they're going to be a dangerous threat in the next three to five years probably. Yeah, I see that. Uh, next game on the map was Tennessee-New England. Now, this is a massive game. 
Tennessee Downs, New England, 20-13. Tannehill's throws for a total of 72 yards, one passing touchdown, one interception. Derrick Henry had 34 carries on 182 yards rushing and one touchdown. Tom Brady, 20 for 37, 209, zero interceptions. And Julian Edelman had 12 yards rushing and one touchdown. Obviously, the big one, 182 yards rushing from Derrick Henry. Uh, the score was 14-13 until Tom Brady threw the pick six uh, to ice the game. Your thoughts? I think this game, judging by the stats, was more hard than anything. And you can just tell by the way the Titans were playing. The Patriots, you can tell that they're just, they've been a dominant team for the last decade. Decade. And more. And, and more. And more. And most of the success has to do with the creative ability and the mindset and the, you know, the knowledge of Tom Brady and how he reads the game and how he's able to see the future of certain snaps and how he judges and Bill Belichick, Belichick. And him, him and Belichick, how they judge the game and how they judge the defense of the other team. And I think that. The Titans put up a really good fight, and honestly, I think in the end, it just proved all hard because you compare quarterback stats. And Tannehill threw the ball 15 times to Brady's 37. Yeah, and Tom Brady got way more yards than Tannehill ever did. I think the big story for this was Derrick Henry. Henry. 182 oh. yards yeah, rushing. Yeah, because you can't win a game throwing under 100 yards unless you physically dominate the other team yeah. on the yeah. ground and on defense. And, and he carried them... He carried the load, essentially. Yeah. 34 carries, 182 yards. He was averaging 5.4 yards uh, drive, essentially. He got one TD out of it, too. It's like... Yeah, he was averaging 5, 5.2 yards a carry. Yeah. He was averaging... A first down. A first down every two carries. Yeah. And I think that's what came in clutch for them. Derrick Henry is what essentially carried the Titans in that case. Because Ryan Tannehill really wasn't having... He was well, having a decent... Well, the, I don't think the game plan was for Tannehill to throw the ball a lot. No. I think the game plan was more, let's get the rushing going and let everything else develop by itself. Yeah. And I think after Tom Brady threw that pick six, I think from there, his confidence and his... Well, the picks is with the end of the game with 15 seconds to go, essentially. So, I mean, it, it was... It was tough. It was, it, was, it was weird to watch Tom Brady play in a wild card game. It was t- it, it, not tough, but like it was just shocking to see a team who's been that dominant for that long mm-hmm. go on a wild card game, especially against Tennessee. Like I was, yeah. I was shocked. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, well, the way I look at it is that Tennessee did what Jacksonville couldn't. Yeah. Because Jacksonville came in there with, I think, a better roster than Tennessee has now, but just couldn't get the job done. Obviously, the quarterback situation is very mediocre, but Blake Bortles at the time, I think, is not as good as Ryan Tannehill. No. But Jacksonville's receivers were more well-rounded, and their defense was a bit better. <laughs> and Leonard Fournette is about the same as Derrick Henry. Yeah, I agree. So uh, that's the way I see it. Obviously, the dynasty ends for New England. Where do you see Tom Brady going to the offseason? He's an unrestricted free agent. There's a lot of places. A lot of people saying. The Chargers. There's a lot of people saying he can go to San Diego. There's a lot of people saying he could stay, and there's people saying that he could retire. And Chargers, New England, or retire. Yeah, those are the three. Yeah. What do you see him doing? I know he doesn't want to retire. I, he feels like he has enough more left in the tank that he can give it another season or two, but honestly, I think it's just time for him just to hang him up, essentially. You think it's time for him to hang I up? I think it's time. You know what? 
He got drafted one two thousand, one hundred ninety ninth overall. I think so. Yeah. He's been playing for that long, and he's accomplished a lot. Like his six, resume, six, six Super Bowls. His resume is through the roof. Yeah. And I think that yeah, th- I think this wild card game just proved that. You know what? He had a good team around him. There's no question he did. It's just his body just didn't have enough left to really push for that final. He didn't. His body didn't give him enough to push for the time where it really mattered, where he had to come up clutch, like mm-hmm. he always does. And essentially, it let him down in that case. And I think that, yeah, he could come back to play another season if he really wanted to. Maybe do like a farewell season if he uh-huh. really wanted to. But I think at this point, his body throughout his career has given him all he's could. It's just... It's time, gonna, time to go. It's time to go. I think, in all honesty, if I'm Tom, I go back one more year. You go back one more year? I go back one more year. The last way you want to go out is losing in a wild card game. Yeah, I feel Right? That. So, it, he has the motivation. He's angry inside that he didn't get the, the, the win and he didn't get to move on and whatnot. Right. I think... What separates him is that him and Kobe are essentially the same beast in terms in terms of their competitiveness, right? Yeah. You, I doubt Kobe wanted to retire. I highly doubt it. But with all the injuries that was happening to him, he finally said, "Okay, it's enough. It's enough. Enough's enough." But if you if you don't have Kobe get injured. He plays, I think, another two years. Yeah. Brady, right? If he doesn't lose this game and he moves on to the next round and they say they lose the next round, right? Right. I think he keeps going. So I, I don't see why you would stop here. The, you don't want to go out losing to Tennessee. No. I say you go back one more year. His, his body's going to be the big question. Uh, you give it one more run. Right? Right. And then whatever happens, happens. And I also think it has to do with the fact that when you bring up him and, like, Kobe's name and the same thing and their work ethic and all that, and I agree with him. Like, I agree with what you're saying. He has a really good work ethic. And think about it. When you go in being the last pick in the sixth round, it's you, you have something to prove at that point. And I feel like throughout the years that he's been in the league, He's had to do like every little thing yeah. perfect and had to do everything possible uh-huh. to get that starting job. And once he did get that starting job, he didn't let it go. And I think because of how much he pushed himself, because he he was predominantly one of the guys in the off season where like he would go to the extreme to make sure he was in tip top shape uh-huh. for a season. And I think because of how much he pushed his body uh-huh. and how much he's taking care of his body. I think that at some point, even if he does play another year, I feel like he won't play as much. Uh-huh. They're going to play him maybe three quarters of the season and let their backups start getting some runs in just yeah. so that he can get used to the role of playing with the team. And I think at some point, it is, he's going to say, okay, like... It's it's that for him. And so I think it's going to be his body, it's going to be his mind at that point saying, you know what, we've been going at this for a while. It's I got what I needed. Is, yeah, I made yeah. the money. I made the rings. Uh-huh. What's done is done. That's my career. His resume's through the roof, and he's definitely been getting. So you're saying he does retire? He hangs him up this year. I would say he does. If he does come back for another year, uh-huh. he's not going to play the full year. Okay. They might if, if he does decide to sit a couple games, he'll play maybe one or two snaps, just like I said, like a farewell tour sort of type, where he'll yeah. play certain parts of the game for 
the 16 weeks, but if I was him, I would I think there's so, even if they, he does come back and they make playoffs, they're going to try to rest them a bit towards the end of the season to yeah. let him. Uh, moving on, uh, Minnesota and New Orleans. Now, that was a great game. Minnesota getting the victory 26-20. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Cousins, 19 for 31, 242 yards and one passing touchdown. Dalvin Cook, 28 carries for 94 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Kyle Rudolph, four catches for 31 yards and one receiving touchdown in overtime to win the game. Drew Brees, 26 for 33, 208 uh, yards in the air, one passing touchdown and one interception. Alvin Kamara, seven carries, 21 yards and one touchdown. Uh, Taysom Hill, two catches, 25 yards and one touchdown. Obviously, big story at the end of this one was was it a push off in the end zone uh, to seal the game in overtime uh, Kyle Rudolph obviously making the catch you know a lot of people saying it wasn't a push off a lot of people saying it was uh, people arguing that it's the playoffs you gotta let both teams play and other people just saying you know what I can't really judge it's one of those plays that just the it just happened yeah what do you think I think this goes back to even last year's playoff. I believe it was last year's playoffs when it was against against, against the Rams. Against the Rams, and there was that big that big was, but that was ball. obvious though. That was an obvious call. This one was more more so big boy on big boy yeah. sort of thing. Like, and that's the thing though, when two big guys like that collide together and they go at it for the ball, it's like you can't really judge what is it was. Like, it was a back shoulder fade. The quarter turns to face Rudolph. I, I mean, you could argue it both ways. Like, the way I saw it was, okay, I understand that he creates separation using his hands, which right. technically falls into the rules of pushing off right. offensive pass interference. But at the same time, you've got to let them play in the playoffs. And that's that's the thing. Play like the difference between playoffs and regular season. Regular season you can call that kind of stuff. Yeah. But playoffs, well, playoffs I, I is think a you, whole I think story, I though. think you gotta let them play. But the Rams game uh Lee was oh, last yeah, year, was, that was obvious. He took him out. There was no play yeah. for the ball. That that was bad. Right. This one more so was a bit near the lines. Uh, I don't know, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't think I would want to be a referee in New Orleans. No, ever. you're the most hated person there. Oh yeah. Um, obviously, the Saints, man. What happens? <sighs> you've made, you've had heartbreak against your season. You've been, you've been in contention for the Super Bowl. You have a great team around you. Breeze is playing out of his mind at the age that he's at. And I'm not gonna lie to you. Out of all the players on the Saints, I think Drew Brees is the only one that really showed up. Like, look at it. You have, like, players of, hey, Michael Thomas only had 70 yards. Uh, Alvin Kamara only had 34 yards. Tyson Hill. 21 for Kamara. How much? 21 for Kamara. 21 for Kamara. Okay. On the ground. Unless he had 34 in the air. He had 34 in the air, 21 on the ground. Okay. Um, Tyson Hill had 50 on the ground, and I believe he only had 25 in the air. Yeah. It's And then you go look at the Vikings. I mean, Kirk Cousins just had a better throwing him in my opinion because he was able to get more he threw yards. for more yards but his completion rate was worse yeah but essentially those yards won't got on those points right yeah Dalvin Cook Dalvin Cook had 94 points on the ground and had 36 in the air yeah. Adam Thielen had 129 yards in the air there and, you go and that the big play that sealed it was that ball to Adam Thielen yeah I mean like that's just, I don't like considering the fact that Minnesota was written off 
because of the quarterback play. Like, oh, Kirk Cousins isn't a big primetime player. He's not a he's, quarterback. He's, and... they, you could go on to a list of what the analysts said about him. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's... End of the day, it came down it, to the quarterback-receiver chemistry and how they... That and it. the fact that it's the playoffs, right? Yeah. Anything goes. Like, at right. this point, seeding doesn't mean anything. No. Like, we saw, we saw in the Tennessee game. Tennessee was heavily... Written off, right? Yeah. Not a chance. Right? Well, on paper, it's the Patriots were the more dominant team. Exactly. Far. So, it, when playoffs come, essentially, it's who wants it more. Yeah. Right. It's all about heart. Because uh, Tennessee could have been like, you know what, guys, we're we're not favored to do anything. Let's just roll over and let New England go to war with right. us. Right. Same thing with Minnesota. Minnesota could have been like, you know what, Kirk Cousins is this. You know, our team's a bit banged up. But you know what? They said, you know what? Whatever. We'll fight. Right. And the final score shows that. 26-20, game-winning touchdown in overtime. I've always said this about any sport, and it's also true about something in life. Talent can get you far, but hard work and dedication and heart will get you even farther. Far. It will get you to the ultimate goal that you set out. And exactly. I think that in this case, for both Tennessee and Minnesota – it proved dividends in that case and yeah. they're both moving on uh, the Saints who were probably one of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl uh-huh. wild card first round knockout like I, like you said before standings don't mean anything exactly it's all about the heart and the, who wants it more essentially in the playoffs and in playoffs anything goes if you and you were leads in the offseason how do you how do you address what has happened the past couple of years this year we can just blatantly straight up say you know, they had more heart than us. And you can't really go picking names from yeah. the roster because, I mean, it was just an overall team loss, right? Mm-hmm. Last year was a different story because it was a blatant missed call that ultimately cost, cost them the game. But And then you had the heartbreak in Minneapolis the year before. Stephon Diggs. There was Stephon Diggs. That was just... I'm sorry, but that was a fluke. No, the bigger issue I have with that is the corner tries to undercut him in the air. Yeah. If the corner stays vertical and just grabs him to the ground, yeah. that's game over. I'm calling it luck because he was able to just hop right over him and, and somehow just, stay on his feet instead of just, just going run. straight on his knees to the ground. That's run. where it was luck. And realistically, I think that's what made Stefan Diggs. <laughs> He's a great receiver. He's a great receiver. It's just yeah, that like, what put him over the That's what put him, put him like on the like you know what I mean? Yeah, he's a great player, but he, he is a great player. I'm he, not taking that kind of cemented his like. Yeah, like I'm not taking a, away any credit from him, but that cemented who he is now. Like, yeah, he's still him big. because of that big play. He's a good player. So but yeah, I mean, like, what do you see New Orleans doing? I, in all honesty, I say you keep the same roster. I would say keep the same roster. Make one or two inquiries here and there, maybe. Pick up another tight end. Another tight end, maybe a receiver. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Just something to get people away from Michael Thomas, right? Because, like, that's essentially what it came down to. Because everyone knew it was either he was going to throw the ball to Michael Thomas. Or hand it off to Kamara. Or hand it off to Kamara. Or even throw it to Kamara if you wanted to. Essentially, yeah. But, yeah, that's it. Uh, The last game, uh, the one that broke my heart, was (laughs) Philadelphia losing 17-9 to Seattle. Uh, obviously, yeah. uh, before we dive into the list of injuries, uh, Russell Wilson was 18 for 30, 325, one passing touchdown, nine carries for 44 yards. 
Marshawn Lynch, six carries, seven yards, one rushing touchdown. DK Metcalf, seven catches for 160 and one touchdown. Josh McCowan, 18 for 24, 174, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. And then he had five carries for 23 yards. Uh, Carson Wentz was one of four for three yards. And then Miles Sanders, 14 carries for 69 yards. Boston Scott, six carries for 25 yards. Greg Ward Jr., one carry for three yards. Uh, Dallas Cotter, seven catches for 73 yards. Zach Ert, uh, two catches for 44 yards. Greg Ward had three catches for 24 yards. Uh, Josh McCowan played with a torn hamstring, and Carson Wentz was injured in the first quarter. Um, not much to talk about this game. Uh, as a Philadelphia fan, it's tough to watch. Uh, the roster was depleted. A lot of injuries to Deshaun Jackson, Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey, yeah. Ronald Darby. The list goes on. Even the players that were playing were injured. Zach Ertz was injured. Josh McCown was injured. Carson Wentz got injured. And at the end of the day, it was just bad luck. Um, the only thing I can good that I can say that came out of this was the fact that Dallas didn't go to the playoffs and that Philadelphia gets to evaluate for the future for all these young guys like Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Greg Ward. You get to see what you have on the practice squad. You get to see what you have for the future. Um, It was tough to watch Josh McCowan uh, cry in the tunnel afterwards. You know, a guy that came in there was essentially a mentor to all the players. It was tough to watch him lose. Uh, It was also heartbreaking to watch Carson Wentz get injured in his first playoff game. Considering all he's done for the team, uh, not gonna get too much into the hit that injured him. Uh, you know, it's. I thought I thought the hit could have been avoidable. There should have been a flag, but you know that. So whatever it it. You referees, I don't know, man. It's human error, right? Like you might. It's one of those things that maybe you see and then you just think twice and, that's and you miss it or whatever it may be. But the way from my understanding, the way that the rules were shown after the game from the analysts in Philadelphia, which obviously is going to be biased towards Philadelphia, the way they showed it was, it was I in my honesty, I think it was it, I think it was a dirty hit, like you hit him from behind, but that that would change the game a bit. But at the same time, the Philadelphia's injury bug kind of didn't help at all. Right. You lose all your core players, and then you're forced to just thrust players into the hole. And, you know, hey, a lot of these players stepped up. Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Greg Ward, these guys all stepped up. Even Josh McCown, who I honestly, I think his practices was just to communicate to the quarterbacks the different types of plays. Yeah. I think maybe he would have he thrown two or three passes here and there just to keep his arm loose, whatever. Um, but that's it. And then Philadelphia this past week ended up firing Mark Groh and Welch. Uh, Mike Groh was the offensive coordinator, and Welch was the position coach at wide receiver. You know, a lot of people in Philadelphia were upset with the third down play calling. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, the play calling sheet became smaller because of the players you had. And I think that's just, it happens. Obviously, you could argue that it doesn't matter. You got to be risky in the playoffs. Yeah. And that's it. Any input from you? Uh, like, I'm just like, I just look at this and it's, nah, it just break, it's, like, it's breaks, it breaks my heart. Uh, nothing really that you haven't said already that I can comment on. I mean, like you said, playoffs, anything can go. And I think uh, with the, I think with the injuries that the Eagles had, especially with, 
McCowan, and even Zach Hurts coming in. I think with some of the injuries that they had, it was tough for them to really pull one out of the bag like that. Yeah. And I think without the injuries, I think it would have been a different story for them. Yeah, I, I think. You know what I mean? It's like you just never know, right? Because like now you're not going to know until they essentially meet again in the playoffs. Yeah, it was it was tough, you know. I, it was definitely tough. It was it. it, it it's ups, it's upsetting because Philadelphia was in the gutter, and then they pulled himself out, and then you yeah. end the season on Wentz getting injured and and his first playoff game, right? Um, you know, like I said before, the only good that I personally see come out of this was the fact that. We got to evaluate for the future. Now you see what you have and what you need to draft and what you don't need to draft. Maybe you need to pick up a couple more corners, right? Maybe you need to pick up a couple more receivers because you're not comfortable with the backups. Whatever it may be. Um, obviously, it's a big off season for Philadelphia. Um, you know, a lot of people calling for some big changes. And you know what? As much as I want to say big changes that are coming, I think the roster's not fine. It just needs some tweaking. You know, obviously, a lot of people calling for Nelson Aguilar to finally, uh, for the Eagles to get rid of Aguilar, which, you know, I, it's a, I have a love-hate relationship with him. I love him because uh, he really stepped up during the Super Bowl run, but then I hate him because there was a couple games here and there where he, he, he dropped the ball, but it happens, right? Like, yeah. some of those balls were pretty catchable, whatever. I'm not here to judge, right? He's in the NFL for a reason. I'm, I'm not right. So, you gotta. I gotta stay within the lines. But some of those were, were patchable. But it's whatever. Um, to Seattle's credit, you know they played a wonderful game. Russell Wilson, like I said, and another season, another reason why he's making a name for the MVP push. You know, eighteen for thirty, three twenty-five. DK Metcalf played out of his mind. Seven catches for one sixty, for a rookie. That's insane. Um. It shows Seattle's a dominant team. Like, there's there's no other way to go about it. Um, right, that's all I got. Anything from you? No, I think you basically said it all. There's definitely some tweaks that they have to make in the offseason for Philly. Seattle would definitely prove to be the more dominant team here, especially from the clutchness of Russell Wilson getting 30 or 325 yards. I mean... Yeah, honestly, like I said before, I think without the injuries from the Eagles, I think it would have been a different story. They would have put up more of a fight. Uh-huh. But, I mean, you, like I said, you'll never know until they meet again, right? Exactly. So, there's uh, nothing really to comment on. Jake Elliott, 3-for-3 three three on field goals. Uh, nine points. Can't say much about that. So, that wrapped up the wild card round. So, into this weekend's games. Uh, at the time of this recording, it is January 11th. And Minnesota plays San Francisco at 435 Eastern Standard Time, and Tennessee makes the trip to Baltimore to play Lamar Jackson at 8.15 Eastern Standard Time. A little breakdown of today's odds if you are a betting person. Uh, The spread is 7 points, Uh, the over-under is at 44.5, and and the 49ers are favorites at 3 at minus 3.15. My prediction is that the Vikings uh, cover the spread, Uh, the final score is under 45 points, and my bold prediction for today's game I see Minnesota winning the game. I see the final score being 24-20. And the reason I'm saying this is because now Minnesota has swagger coming off that New Orleans game. San Francisco hasn't played football, a competitive game, in in just a little over two weeks. Right? 
Minnesota's obviously they're not going to be full strength because they've just played a game, and you can argue. But a team that's been playing in rhythm right. is better than a team that hasn't been playing in rhythm. Right. Because San Francisco essentially had, they had, I would assume, three days off, right, just to heal. They probably had film session, and players oh. probably went to go get therapy, whatever. Yeah. And then they just started practicing light pads, whatever yeah. it may be. So, so I know, honestly, I see Minnesota going in to Levi Stadium and pulling out the upset, 24-20. I see where you're coming from from that, where Minnesota just came off a big clutch win, and I feel like they have that swagger and that bravado going into this game. Uh-huh. But you also have to keep in mind, yeah, San Fran was off for two weeks. They were, you know, probably watching film, getting some touches in practice. San Fran's been having swagger going on all season. Uh-huh. They finished, what, 13-3 uh-huh. this year? They've had a lot of swagger going in, uh-huh. and that's all thanks to the big boy Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G. And... George Kid, George Kittle as well. Is George Kittle has been playing amazing. Manuel Sanders, Sanders has had a good year. Yeah, so you know what I mean. So like, yeah, Minnesota has that swagger going in, and honestly, I think that's going to play a big factor going into this game. But San Fran has been having that bravado going all year. Fair enough. And I think that with the season they have, they've been finding the recipe to stay on top. And I think that they're going to continue cooking up that recipe, that recipe going into Fair enough. Going into this game. And I'm, that's why I have to say San Fran. Uh, uh, predictions. Uh, the spread. Uh, uh, seven points. Who covers it, in your opinion? I got to be San Fran. You're going to go San Fran on the spread. Over under 44.5 points. So what do you think? Under 45 or over 45? I have to be under 45. Under 45. 45. Your predictions for the game? San Fran takes it. San Fran takes it. Uh, the big one, the big, the lights, the big matchup for tonight. Uh, Tennessee plays Baltimore. Uh, the spread is nine and a half. Over under is forty seven points even. Uh, the Ravens are favored at uh, negative uh, minus four twenty five. Uh, before we get into my predictions, Adriano, uh, who covers the spread in your opinion? So nine and a half. So essentially ten. Yeah. Uh, I have to say Baltimore. So you know, Baltimore covers the spread. Yeah. Over or under 47, to your opinion. That's tricky for me because if Lamar has and Mark Ingram have a really good rushing game, I can see it going over. But if Tennessee is able to take it, their defense to a whole other level, I say under. So 50-50 for me. I can't really... So you're just split down the middle? I'm just split down the middle for now. Uh, who do you have winning the game? I'm Baltimore. Baltimore. Uh, so my prediction is that the Ravens cover the spread at 9.5 points. It is under 47. And my score prediction is Baltimore 27 and the Titans 10. I just think that although people are going to say that Tennessee, if they're able to play New England like that, I don't see why they can't play Baltimore, but at the same time, you have to understand that Baltimore is a different animal. The Baltimore is a different breed. In this it, it's a different breed, right? Um, you know, there's so many weapons that they have at the tight end, at the receiver, at the running back, that it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting to see how Tennessee game plans. But I think that Baltimore does take this one comfortably, twenty-seven to ten. Uh, On to Sunday's games. Uh, anything you want to add from that game or no? You're just no, you're I mean, I'm pretty split down the middle for that game. I think Baltimore will take it, but I think it'll be a close one. Fair enough. Um, Houston versus Kansas City. 
This is a this is a good game. Um, this is going to be more of an offense versus defense type of game. I'll give the quick rundown from the odds. All these odds are provided by Bet365. Uh, no promo codes. We're not sponsored. So... <laughs> Uh, not yet. Bet365, if you want to send us a sponsor, we'll be, yes, more, we'll be more than gladly to take it. Um, so the spread is at 9.5 points. Over-under is at 51. Kansas is the favorite at minus 425. Score predictions. Actually, let's run down with... Let's do the spread. Spread. Uh, who covers? Uh, 9.5, so 10. If you go to, maybe if you go to the, the sports book, you can buy the hook right. to bring the half point down to 9. But we'll go off Bet365. I'm going to say Kansas covers the spread. Kansas covers the spread. Okay. Covers the spread. Over under 51. Oh, definitely under. Under 51. Definitely say under. Who do you think wins? This is interesting because I feel like this is going to be a game of Kansas City's offense versus Houston's defense. If J.J. Watt is healthy enough to come back and play the full game, uh-huh. he's going to give Patty Mahomes a good uh, He's going to give him some trouble? He's going to give him some good trouble, yeah. All so, right. I would say, you know what? I'm going to go for the underdogs in this game. I'm going to say Houston. Wow. He's taking the underdogs. Okay. You know why? Just because I'm a... You know what? I'm a big fan of J.J. Watt. I'm a big fan of Patty Mahomes. But at the same time, for me, I've always been a big defense guy uh-huh. in any sport. So I think that if the defense can really pull their end of the of the string there, then Fair I can't enough. see why they can't come up. Uh, my predictions. The Texans cover the spread. I'll get into my uh, thing after. Under 51 points. I think the Chiefs win it. But 28-20. 28-20? I think it comes down just to a couple plays towards the end of the game. Yeah. And I think I think Houston is going to make it interesting for them just because of the kind of football that Houston plays. Uh, but in the end, I think that uh, the Chiefs will take this one 28-20. I'm going to go 21-18 for Houston. 21. So a field goal game? Yeah. So the Texans... Wow, so we both have the Texans covering the spread. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Uh, I respect that. And then the final game of the weekend is Seattle versus Green Bay. Uh, the spread is at four and a half points. So what do you got for that? Uh, I see Seattle covering that spread. Cover the spread at five. Uh, Over under is 46 and a half, so 47. Definitely under. Under Green Bay's a favorite at a slim minus two ten. No, you know what? I I see Seattle taking this one. Uh, funny enough, uh, my final prediction for that game is twenty four twenty Seattle. So I see Seattle covering the spread, the game being an under, and Seattle taking the W. Simply because I think Seattle has more weapons than Green Bay. Yeah, that's the only reason, and I just think. Seattle is going to go in with the mindset that they can... Uh, both teams are going to go with the mindset that they can win the game, but I think Seattle's going to have more oomph to their attack, and I think they're going to play the game yeah. like it's their last. I think Pete Carroll is going is gonna to rally the troops, and I think Correct. it's going to be a close game because uh, every time... They've been in the playoffs to four, right. and uh, the infamous game where... Uh, Green Bay was up and then Seattle made the comeback I just think Seattle takes this one yeah I see and correct me if I'm wrong did Seattle play away they played away against Philly right yeah because they took the division uh, right. Philadelphia took the division and now Seattle's going to be playing away against Green Bay 
I believe so, yes. If I, think, I if I did my standing math correctly. I believe the game is gonna be played at Lambeau Field. Okay. So you're talking about a Seattle team that just came off a road a, victory. A road victory. And now you're gonna go back on the road again against a team where not to say they don't have a lot of Arsenal, but definitely more healthy yeah. Arsenals than what Philly did. Mm-hmm. I think Philly does have more Arsenals than Green Bay, but if Philly had, like I said before, if Philly didn't have those injuries, mm-hmm. it's a different game. Fair enough. And I think that with this, it's going to feel like the same edging out type of game that they played against mm-hmm. the Eagles. And I think coming off a road victory, especially in the playoffs, is a huge confidence booster for the team. And I think that they have their swagger going into another away game to say, you know right. what, we're, we're going to get shit done in this building. If we can do it at Lincoln Park, we can do it at Lambeau. Lincoln Park, we can for an field. Disrespectful beat. Don't disrespect the link. <laughs> the greatest stadium we'll ever visit. Uh, that's all I got. I, I think it's going to be interesting in the game. It's going to be interesting to see how we move into the later rounds of the playoffs. Oh, for sure. Uh, down to the NHL. Uh, oh, baby. Oh, baby is right. Oh, baby. I just want to say, right at the gate before we even get this started, <laughs> this whole playoff format with the, the Metro and the Atlantic and whatever uh, other <laughs> divisions they have, yeah, it's terrible. Go uh, reformat it after this year. Go back to East versus West, one through eight. Yeah. By the bing, by the boom. I agree with that. And like you're gonna have thirty two teams anyways, right? Yeah. Sixteen per conference. If you go back to the East and West, make it easy, man. There's no need to complicate these things with the whole wild card and this and that. Yeah. See, I feel like the reason why they did this whole conference split up was because they wanted to give those bottom of the tier teams. A, sh- a chance a to shot. fight for a playoff spot, essentially. But then it ruins it ruins everything else. Yeah. Because, because like, you can't figure out the playoff format after who's playing. Like, it's confusing to see. Because now it's common games and strength of whatever. Yeah. And I, I don't know, man. I'm just... It just baffles me that... a lot. Uh, like, Toronto, from my understanding, should have been at home for a couple of those games against Boston. Yeah. They should have. I can't remember what year it was, but they said that if the seating was done one three, Toronto would have been in line for home games, and they would have had home ice. Yeah, this they still had uh, home ice, but you know, obviously, uh, a lot of different teams their seating could have gone differently, and you know, a lot of different stuff could have gone the other way. But that's just the way I see it. Um, my winners and losers for essentially the first. Quarter, two thirds of the season, not even two thirds. Like heading towards the midway mark, I think the I think um, Toronto's picked up their play after the firing of Babcock. Yeah, um, the team's starting to galvanize. You know, obviously the other day McDavid took Morgan Riley for a ride on the roller coaster, and he absolutely well, just he, he dis- took him for a ride and gave him the picture at the end of the ride. Oh my lord! That's just, if you haven't gone, I haven't seen that goal that McDavid put up. Go watch it. It's disgusting. It's that's that's out of this Fourth world. Point of the night. And it that's was out of this world, man. I I think that's goal of the year right there. Listen, you can't even tell from the play when he listen. Left. If you put that on at any skill level, beer league, shinny schoolyard mini sticks let alone the NHL and you just take a man like that and just 
give him a Morgan mile. Morgan Riley's a good defense. Uh, right, and even Morgan was like. Morgan was like, holy shit. Like, he, he couldn't do anything. <laughs> I got dummied on that. He play. did get dummied. And, I wa- and I, we watched the goal here, and we looked at each other like, man, yeah. that's, that's unbeatable. Um, any takes from you from the rest of the league? <sighs> the rest of the league, I mean. Phoenix got Taylor Hall. Yeah, Phoenix is, you know what? Rental. The, I think it's a rental, right? I think it is a rental. I actually did a paper on them talking about their organization. Shout out to Paul Bizanet. Not a big deal. Not, Not a big deal. deal. Hopefully we'll get Biz Nasty on here one day. We'll, Yo, we'll make Biz, a big... Biz, if you're listening to this, please. We'll make an inquiry. Come on the podcast. Come on the podcast, Biz. Um, no, but you know what? There's been a lot of like interesting stories going on around the league. Uh-huh. Uh, one of them was obviously the big story about Babcock being fired from Toronto. Uh-huh. Sheldon Keith coming to take his spot. Um, the Montreal Canadiens going on an eight-game losing streak after having a lot of close games. Uh, who who's a Canadians fan from sport management? Oh, Murdoch and Jamie. Uh, even they were like, "This is embarrassing." Uh, I, I mean, Montreal is. They almost snuck in last year, right? So I can't really say too much about them, right? They're kind of developing for the future, sort of thing. They're kind of putting the pieces together. Yeah, they are. So I agree. that's that. Um. Dallas takes the Winter Classic. Uh, great game, by the way. It was a great game. Uh, the, I big, it. the big storyline out of that was Corey Perry getting ejected three minutes and 23 seconds yeah. into the game and his jersey being auctioned off <sighs> with a starting price of 750 US dollars yeah. on fanatics.com. Uh, league suspended uh, Perry uh, five games for the hit. Uh, do you think he was deserved? I think he got it right. I think he was definitely right to get suspended. But five games, I mean... You don't think it was... I, I, th- I thought it was deserving. Like, okay, you can tell from the way he was going in, he didn't intentionally go for his head. No, he kind of shied away. He tried thing. to shy away, because, like, it, in the spur of the moment where you're going for the hit, you expect to go shoulder on shoulder, but then when the guy's, like, half ducked like that, it's like you're trying to change your momentum last minute. Yeah. And it's like, whatever, what happened, happened, right? Uh-huh. I definitely did it was worthy of a suspension, but I would say maybe three games max. Okay. I don't think five. I think five is a little bit. Okay. Um, that's all I got for right now. Uh, I'm still sticking with Boston as my cup winners. I still think Boston's yeah. good. I think I, I still think Boston is going to make it to the cup and win. Boston's definitely going to make it interesting. Right now, I really don't have a, a cup predictor just because, like, it's, for me, it's too early to talk about it right now because I have to see – how the whole season plays out. I think right now, Boston looks like a dominant team. Washington looks like a dominant team. Pittsburgh looks like a dominant team. Even Tampa right now looks like a dominant team, but I mean, with Tampa, that's a whole different story. Yeah, Tampa always makes things interesting. Yeah, so uh, looking at the West, I mean, you know, the Blues are making it interesting right now. Vegas looks like they're having a good season going on right now. Arizona's definitely turned their team around a lot compared to what it was at last year. Uh-huh. So, as I'm saying, like, there's been so many things going on in the league with teams. And, you know, even with, like, the middle of the pack teams, too. Like, look at Edmonton, right? Uh-huh. The duo of McDavid Dreisaitl. Even Dreisaitl has been saying himself, he's been playing like shit. And he's been stepping it up recently yeah. after he said that. Or, you know, you get a team like Colorado making all these moves in the summer, right? Acquiring, you know, guys like Nazem Kadri and getting yeah. guys like Kerfoot and Tyson Berry. Well, I mean, they're third place right now in the Central Division, but, like, they've been seeing them making stuff like that work. 
Like I said before, get rid of that stupid division thing. The central. What the hell is yeah. a central division? Honestly, the big surprise of the season was Buffalo. I honestly, like, I think Buffalo is a really good team. Yeah. They have a good core piece around them, and what the management did to build around Eichel like that was a pick smart up, move. Pick up Dalid. Pick up Dalid. You got a, what's the, what's the other guy's name there? Oh, I forgot. I forgot his name, but, you know, they have Olofsson. Olofsson. Victor Olofsson. That's the guy I was talking about, yeah. So. Having my fantasy team. Thanks, Victor. Playing a great <laughs> season, buddy. But you know what, like, there's a lot of teams right now that are in the middle of the pack, but could easily be in those top three slots per division. Fair enough. It all depends on, you know, who has the better, yeah. who has more hard going into games, and how close you can make a game. So, Fair that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, moving on, um, today, uh, if you don't know, uh, if you're not a Brock student, today is the fifth annual Paint the Meridian Red. Uh, Brock plays a doubleheader. Women's and men's basketball at Meridian. Uh, women's tip off at six o'clock, and men's tip off at eight o'clock. Uh, little breakdown for the men's team. Brock is currently five and six, on a, riding a three-game losing streak. Uh, loss on November twenty-third, ninety-nine, eighty-six to Laurentian, eighty-one, sixty-four versus McMaster on November twenty-ninth, and a heartbreaking loss, seventy-nine, seventy-seven versus York on January eighth. Some of Brock's team leaders: uh, Tyler Brown, sixteen point nine points per game. Daniel Kerr uh, is averaging a, a double-double, 10.7 rebounds, 11 points per game. And Tyler Brown leads Brock in assists at close to five at 4.9 assists per game. UFT is currently 4-7, riding a two-game losing streak in the conference and a three-game losing streak, uh, including all three games. Their two games in the conference that they've lost are 88-84 to McMaster on November 30th and a 94-88 loss to Western on January 10th. They did lose uh, 99-69 to 69 to uh, NCAA Division II team Saginaw Valley State University, who currently has an 11-3 record on January 5th. Uh, if you haven't heard of uh, uh, Saginaw State Valley, uh, don't be ashamed. There's a lot of people that hasn't. But some alumni, to name a few, if you follow football, are Cowboys uh, player Jeff Heath and uh, another player Jeff Janis. Uh, so that is it. Uh, UFT is currently riding uh, Evan Shidakami at 18.9 points per game. This kid can flat out score. Anthony Dadu, 6.1 rebounds per game. And uh, Evan Shidakami again leads the team with 2.4 assists per game. It's going to be an interesting game. Uh, Tip-off goes for that game at 8 o'clock. Uh, tickets are still available on Ticketmaster. I believe student GA was, uh, actually, no, I think everything was GA. Everything was GA, yeah. Uh, except baseline and courtside. Uh, GA's 15 bucks. Uh, obviously, if you don't want to buy from Ticketmaster, you want to save a couple bucks here and there for the post-game beer. You can, I'm sure you can, you can message somebody at Brock University and get a hold of a couple tickets. Right. Uh, we're going to attend to that game. We will be attending that game tonight. Yeah. Uh, myself, Adriano, and Sutter will be going to that. Um, we will be going uh, for the men's game. Obviously, we'll be there for the women's game. Uh, any predictions? Oh. Both teams on a losing streak. Brock's, Brock's obviously going to be the hometown. Right. I think Brock takes this one. I would say Brock takes I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to go, uh, I don't know, I want to say 75-68 for my prediction. Low-scoring in the sense for OUA basketball. I'm going to say 65-58. to 58. Okay. Okay. Uh, now switching gears, Brock women's basketball is 
on a 92 record. They were on a six game win streak until they played York University. Uh, they lost 66, 63. York just outplayed. I don't know. I think I because like I remember a few people that went to that game and I was talking about it. And they just said like it was a really close game. Brock put up a fight, but in the end, it was like it, it, Brock's women's teams. They're, they're gross. 9-2. They're good. The six-game win streak, and you had a three-point loss to York. No, they're really good. Uh, Melissa Tati leads the squad in with 16 points per game. Uh, Samantha Keltos has uh, averaging 7.8 rebounds per game. Right. And UFT is not having the greatest of seasons. 2-9 uh, and nine right now. Uh, they're coming off a 70-57 to 57 loss to Western University. They currently have one home win and one away win. Um, not much to say. Uh, prediction. I, I, I don't even like... I think the Brock women's team takes it. Uh, score predictions? I would say 70 to 60. I got 60-40. 60-40? I got 60-40. I just think... I just think Brock comes out right and gun. Yeah. Destroy the first quarter. If, yeah. Put the knife in the heart. Maybe do the second. I think they're gonna run away with it within yeah. the first quarter or two. Yeah. You excited? I'm very excited. I haven't been to a basketball game at Brady. I have not been to a basketball game at Brady either. I've done. I've done Brock Hoko. I've done Steel Blade at Brady. I've never done Hoko. No. Well, mostly because I've been working. Yeah, fair enough. Downtown a lot, so I've been having to go downtown on the weekends. I have to work, so hopefully next year I'll be able to catch it, but. I mean, it's got what you see, right? But yeah. honestly, like, I'm excited to go. It's going to be, like, my first, like, yeah. sports school event that we actually go watch, like, a sporting yeah. event. So, I mean, I'm excited. We got it. good tickets, eh, Baseline? We did get good tickets. You know what? We, we paid, what, 10 extra bucks, which isn't even that bad. No, it wasn't. Hopefully that – hopefully I read the terms and conditions right that we get to be there whenever we want. Yeah. I just – like, God, that's a thing. I'm going to get rattled if they say, no, you have to be here for 6 o'clock. Yeah. Um – no, so uh, if you guys, uh, if any, I su- highly suggest everybody go out to tonight's game, yes. Friday night, you know, uh, come out support. Night. Oh, Saturday, Saturday night. night. Saturday night. Saturday night, night baby. Saturday night. My, my apologies. Saturday night fever, baby. Saturday night fever. Uh, go out, support your Rock Badgers. Um, post-game party is at 12 Mile or L3. Um, please be safe. Don't. Yeah, please be safe. Whatever you do, enjoy responsibly. Yes. Uh, don't drink and drive. Have fun. Exactly. Uh, Brock Taxi is 20 bucks. Uber is 20 bucks. You know, a funeral is $750 and upwards. Uh, like 30K to pick up. Exactly. Wall, so so no. enjoy responsibly. Um, Adriano, thank you for coming to the podcast, my man. Thanks for having me, my man. Anytime. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you guys have a good day, and thank you guys for listening.